Peter and Zach are not experts, and everything they say should be taken with at least one grain of salt. Please keep your ears engaged throughout the whole podcast to prevent rampant confusion. Now, brace your mind for impact. Hello everybody and welcome to Friends and Theory, your weekly dose of science and goodness applied directly to your ear. It's episode 16. The episode 16, boy! <laughs> Here we are, we're ready to go, we've got an episode, just, oh. just for you. Guess what? What? We've still got some codes to give away for Replica, which is that conversational AI app we talked about. Last week, so if you want one, comment on this post and and you'll get one. Comment on this post. <laughs> uh, get in get in touch with us anywhere through any of the usual Anything. means. Uh, Please we can talk about this again. Please, no more one, during no the one break. Talks to us. Um, and let us know what noise the AI watch sirens should make. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. can have it. All right, you can have one too. That's... You can have your own little little clone of yourself to talk yep. to. It's going to be good. great. Um... All right. All right. Uh, I feel like we we haven't spent enough time just not doing this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we haven't wasted enough time. Anyway, well, we've got quite a lot of different bits of news this week, so maybe we should. um, Shall I? Yeah, this was a a, a lot of wacky stuff this week. Um, So get ready because we're just going to dive straight into the news. Okay, here we go. Get your popcorn. Here we go. Yeah. Um. There, there is. There is a dinosaur called Oviraptor. You may have heard of it. And it has had a, a bit of a bad time in the press, really. Um, for a long time, it was accused of being a horrible ex- egg-snatching thief. Um, in the- I mean, it's always a bit tasteless to put crimes on people that have been dead. Yeah. Especially for millions of years. Yeah, and you know what is even more tasteless is to give them a name... Uh, which is explicitly referencing their horrible crime. Yeah, just, just egg raptor, pretty much, isn't it? Uh, so in the 1920s, <laughs> uh, in Mongolia, this dinosaur was first discovered. Um, it was discovered it was a nest of eggs with dinosaur bones over the top of it. It was interpreted as uh, this raptor, which was named Oviraptor, which had been preying on the eggs of what were believed to be protoceratops eggs. Um, right. And the, that's where it got the name, Oviraptor. Ovi is obviously egg. Raptor comes from a Latin word, um, which means seize or take by force, uh, which maybe, oh. yeah, I mean, you can understand that. Um, so Oviraptor literally is basically seizing eggs. Um, but <laughs> in 1990s, uh, another example was discovered again in Mongolia. Um, where they found oviraptor fossils, but also they identified that embryos inside eggs were actually of young oviraptorsaurs. So instead of a praying thief, this dinosaur was but a nurturing parent. Well, can can we know that? What if it was just trying to um, rob someone else's baby's eggs? Because that does happen. Well... That's a good yeah, question. In, allow in me to species competition. Allow me to elaborate. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 
Uh, well, next story <laughs> then. Um, no, 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 no. Get on with it, please. Here we go. Um, this week, uh, a French Chinese team has used. Wait, no. <laughs> Tell us about the eggs. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. Oh. A French Chinese team has used <laughs> highly advanced geochemical techniques to back up claims that Oviraptor was a nurturing parent um, by determining the incubation temperature of Oviraptor eggs. And they do this by using uh, stable oxygen isotopes. I'm not going to go super deep into it, but basically isotopes uh, is just diff- various forms of uh, or states of of oxygen yeah it has like a different molecular weight and yeah. composition the important and stable thing... means it doesn't change yeah it doesn't break down or whatever the important thing to know is that the composition of these different types of oxygen changes depending on the temperature so it can be used to kind of indicate what temperature the eggs were at so they they took readings from embryo no no what was, what was it bone sorry they took a they took readings from bone and also from eggshell, which is kind of a, a proxy for egg fluid because it's formed out of egg fluid. Um, and by using that, they determined an incubation temperature for oviraptors or eggs at between 35 and 40 degrees Celsius, which based on the sort of arrangement of uh, methods of incubation they were considering, the only reasonable answer is that it has to be achieved through parental brooding. So essentially the parent sitting on top of the eggs and, and incubating them itself. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. I mean, even in the dinosaur times, I don't think Mongolia was a major hotspot. No, for of course. Hotness. Egg incubation, lots of creatures nowadays do it. There's other things like burying them underground, like turtles, or I think crocodiles sometimes uh, like bury them in kind of rotting uh, plant matter and stuff like that, which obviously is is releasing heat um but no it has to be based on the temperature they read from these isotopes it has to be uh parental brooding which there you go oviraptor okay that's not pretty cool not an egg snatcher but an egg hatcher it's like um it's like carbon dating ice isn't it you yeah kind of there's yeah. this really crazy science technique for how they do it and it's just like okay yeah sure you just kind of have to be like yep i accept that this is how it works <laughs> i actually wrote an article about uh using this kind of f- these fossil fossil thermometers in a in a way um one time which yeah which was we can link fun. it up yeah if you want to share it we will do it's on it's on reaction science uh i i'll i'll post a link Cool. something um where would you bury your eggs let us know in the comments yes please do okay i have a story what's it what's it <laughs> as if it's like a big surprise yeah. we, we haven't quite got the hang of this podcast yet have we yeah only really. 16 episodes yeah okay so um what's your favorite gm crop do you have any favorite ones oh man um you know i did hear this story once about like square watermelons so they don't roll around uh, in your fridge yeah that that's pretty hype but then it's not as fun to eat. No, I guess not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've we've had loads, and uh, you know, there's a lot of debate about what truly is a GM crop yeah. um, because we've technically been manipulating genes basically uh, since yeah. we learned how I mean, to eat. Pretty much all crops are genetically modified from natural plants, aren't they? Like, yeah. Um, so when we're talking about 
GM in the conventional sense, we're usually talking about a direct genetic manipulation. Yeah. And that's what I've got an example of today. So um, we've had in the past golden rice, um, yeah. which which um, was designed to help reduce blindness through vitamin A deficiency. Um, and now uh, a, a typical one, the purple variant of things. We've had purple tomatoes before, but now okay. we have purple rice. Right. Um, you know, usually... I know, it's not, it's not just like, you know, uh, beetroot rice that some health nut has made. It's the real <laughs> deal. Usually GM has some kind of, you know, environmental benefit or health benefit or, or something. Is there a benefit to making rice purple or just... Yeah, so this is the thing. Loads of plants, uh, well, the tomato example in particular have had this sort of purple pigmentation done before. Okay. And it's because of a micronutrient called anthocyanin, which um you may have heard of. It's um I think it's a like almost like a flagship for micronutrients. Okay. Um it's a, it's in grapes and stuff like that. Oh nice. So if it's purple it probably has it sort of thing. Yeah. Um and it's associated with helping with cardiovascular diseases in particular. Hmm. Um, and is one of the great components in the why do French people stay so healthy if they eat so much dairy? It's because they drink wine, sort of thing. <laughs> um, nice. So anyway, this was a study published in Molecular Plant and researchers from the South China Agricultural University. And um, I, have a, I have a quote here, which I think is really good, summarizes the whole thing, and we're going to try and break it down. Um, so this okay. is from senior author Yao Guangliu. We have developed a highly efficient, easy-to-use transgene stacking system called Transgene Stacking 2 that enables the assembly of a large number of genes and single vectors for plant transformation. Once again, great name. Yeah. Very clinical. That is a good name. Um, so let's let's break this down. Transgene. That is the idea of taking a gene from one place and putting it in another where it will be expressed. Stacking is putting multiple genes in the same vector and the vector is well if you have <laughs> just in case you haven't figured it out already is how we move the genes into the desired target yeah it's like a bus for genes yeah gene bus it's all aboard <laughs> and and a stack stacking is like <laughs> <laughs> that's the doppler effect it's a sad um, bus <laughs> so yeah all the genes get on this gene bus and then what happens well they get put into the strains of rice <laughs> that we want to change okay um and then so they've basically designed this pathway so that the anthocyanin is expressed in the endosperm which are like the little bits of rice that we eat Okay. Um, which are like the little baby rice plants that we love to snack on so much. Yeah. Man, I had um, some I had some rice last night. Boy, it was nice. Well, Zach, that sounds like a really interesting tangent. You know, let's, let's hear what all about I that. I say, no rice, no life. Moving on, swiftly. Yeah. Um, so, in, <laughs> in total, eight genes were stacked onto the vector, and they were put into Japonica and Indica rice strains, which um, technically well, usually lack the pathways for anthocyanin production at all. Um, okay. So what makes this particularly interesting is that 
it's a lot of stacking and it's a lot of transgene action into one vector. Yeah. And so there's even more potential for GM crops in there. A lot of stacking, a lot of action, a lot of rice. Yeah, and it's like you could just be eating this this good rice, but it's exactly the same as normal rice, but now you won't die so much. <laughs> Man, that sounds great. Will um, it get through? Probably not, because I... that's the world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> Purple rice, not in not in my backyard. Exactly. Yeah. Frankenfoods. Um, so, do you know what else is happening I... in today's world? I have no idea, Zach. Please let me know. Uh, social media... And also people making you feel bad because of your political ideologies. Yeah. I don't um, think it matters what stance you take. Someone's going to make you feel bad. Yeah. This was actually an interesting study. Uh, it was it was about moral and emotional language and also moral emotional language being used in political posts on social medias. Um, and this they, this was a study determining like how how different types of posts spread around online. And so on. So they used three polarizing issues in public policy debates to to kind of test this um, this out, how things spread. Any guesses about what they might have used? Um, well, in the recent election, you had stuff like uh, fox hunting okay, maybe coming no, back. That wasn't one. No. No. Damn it. Uh, I, okay. I, NHS. No. Okay, you know what? No idea. I mean, think more America-centric. Gun control. Uh Okay. Uh, Gun control. (laughs) I mean, these things, like, I don't know. I just don't really consider many of these things polarizing anymore. But in the, it was gun control, same-sex marriage, and climate change. Um, Okay. Well, here's here's the thing, right? This is like the time we were talking about shoplifters. And that's going to be completely unhelpful to everyone who wasn't overhearing that one conversation between me and Zach in private. Yeah. Um, but it's just like a completely different world that we will probably never be able to appreciate or understand. That, and there are probably reasons. Um, and although we would never consider them, and I will argue with anyone who tries to, you know, push a anti-climate change or pro-gun stance... Um, it, it's sort of like it's different context. It, it seems crazy to us, but in in America, it must be. It like obviously is a polarizing place. issue. So they use these yeah. three issues um, to to test things out, um, and then they looked at posts. I think mainly on Twitter, uh, and saw how many retweets to certain types of posts about these issues got. Uh, they were also looking for moral language which is things like using buzzwords like justice, shield, protect. Uh, presumably like Marvel's Avengers is one of those as well. Um, someone plays a lot of paladin yeah. class, huh? <laughs> they were also looking for emotional language, things like appreciate, hopeful. Uh, what was uh-huh. that? I can't read my own writing. Uh, okay. Pleers. <laughs> um, so, Please. yeah. Uh, Please. And then also... They were looking for um, immoral, emotional language, which is things like abandon, dishonest, and pleasing. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I may have I've written that down wrong, but you get the general idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely saw a lot of this 
leading up to the UK general election. Stuff that was just yeah. like, some Buzz of them were literally and... just like, you are a bad person if you do this. There's a lot um, of, of pointed moral, emotional words being thrown around in general. And of course, they found that language like this increases the diffusion of posts within a, uh, within an ideological boundary. So I suppose that means people who think the same way as you, but also it does have an effect across boundaries, um, even if it's not a particularly big one. Uh, and actually, um, an average between these three issues, about 20% more retweets were coming in for posts that used these kinds of words. Um, no way. That's crazy. So yeah, there you go. If you really want to spread some obnoxious stuff online, uh, I shouldn't be so cynical, I guess, but like you <laughs> use these buzzwords because people will listen to you more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I th- just yeah. thought it was interesting wow. because we, we should probably have a bit of more understanding of, of this to help prevent like the, the kind of onset of social media echo chambers and things like that in political fake news, and, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, and then, yeah, because it, it, this is kind of like the natural evolution of you know one like one prayer. Oh, you didn't like it? Yeah. You want these um, you want these kids to die? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. that what you want? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, oh man. Um, well, it, that that's good to know. So be be on the lookout for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And if you want to spread your message, use that stuff. But please don't, because if I catch you doing it. It's, um, it's, it's manipulative, from yeah, like, as far as I can see, it's, it's manipulative and it's, it's pointed and it's only, it's only creating a larger divide between people, which is, is not good. So, yeah, just, I feel like we've gone a little bit off track. Yeah. Hey, Zach. We probably have. Let's, let's, let's um, let's just quickly switch the topic. There's been a new species of parrot discovered. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yay. New parrot. Um, what, what's it about? Jesus. What's this new parrot about? <laughs> so, orthologist Dr. Miguel A. Gomez Garza in 2014 was exploring the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, and he identified what he thought was a new species of parrot called the blue-winged Amazon parrot, uh, based on its blue coloration of of feathers wow. on its back, sort of thing. And so, how he knows this different species? It has a unique shape, color pattern, call, and behavior. And this is my favourite part of the entire story, Zach. Any any guesses to what its call sounds like? A trombone. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, that would probably be, be better. <laughs> the description they gave was, call is described as loud, <laughs> sharp, short, repetitive and monotonous. Oh, no, that sounds horrible. <laughs> the perfect sound. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Oh, wow. Nice one. I hope... Um, I, it varies between when yeah. it's flying and being perched, which is an interesting behavior That's cool. as well. Yeah, it's not every day you get new parrots. Um, maybe, like, people did know about this parrot, but it was just too annoying to, like, even... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, no, I, I think, um, you know, that sort of area of South America is still... A, a lot of it hasn't been explored too well. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And so they live in small groups and have a very small range. So it has already been put up for consideration for protection and shielding and marvels of yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> which is 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 sad. And hopefully, um, you know, uh, species like this will get the attention they deserve. 
Um, but analysis of the mitochondrial DNA suggests that it diverged only 120,000 years ago from the white-fronted Amazon parrot. Mm. So it's a pretty recent species yeah. as well. Nice. And um, I guess all the good calls were taken. <laughs> so it, it took like the fire alarm approach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Great. Well, that's that's really good. It, it is. It is. There are some really nice pictures of this bird I'm as well. So if you can um, this, yeah. Yeah, so just again, that is the uh, blue-winged Amazon parrot. Nice. Nice. Uh, you know what's really weird? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways I can answer the, okay. the, that, that question. Yeah. We don't want to offend anyone, so... Um, no. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's water. You know, do you know how weird water is? Like, Yeah, why does it splash? It, if, only, does it, if only someone could tell splash? me about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, wait, did we talk about that at some? Point? No, yeah, we, that, that was that like that's the first the joke. Yeah. Ha-ha. Anyway, <laughs> water is really, really weird, and like, I guess we just don't really think about it. But here's a, way, a, a bunch of ways in which water is really weird. Um, for one thing, it can exist in all of its three phases at Earth-like temperatures. For example, in the water vapor, in the air, and in ice, in the ice sheets or whatever, and also in water. <laughs> liquid water in the oceans and okay 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 okay. but hear me out this is like one of those reverse anthropomorphism situations i think like we shouldn't we shouldn't be surprised but like huh water can exist in all its forms and the temperatures we like it's more like when it's in conditions that it can do that we can exist i think um yeah sure so we're putting this weird spin on it but that um, we're like we're like the center of everything it is still um it is still kind of unusual compared to to a lot of other things in earth-like conditions um it's also it's also notable because like literally pretty much anything can dissolve into water because of its highly charged regions um and uh also ice can have two solid forms which is is kind of and this is kind of this is slowly ticking over into the actual story here so <laughs> we'll um, get there eventually the gene bus is warming up as yeah. it takes us into Anders Nilsson of Stockholm University in Sweden um was looking at water one day <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that's not how this started no he he was uh, so it's it's known that ice can have two solid forms uh, it, it's either a very highly ordered crystals, like very, very sort of highly organized, or it can be a more amorphous version where it's not so organized. Uh, and he was thinking that, well, maybe w- liquid water has a similar thing as well. And it turns out that it kind of does, actually. Um, they, they tested it out using complicated methods involving x-rays and, uh, looking at individual molecules of H2O and stuff at low temperatures. And what they found is that it transitioned. Water, they observed, transitioned from an amorphous, uh, glassy, frozen liquid state, which is essentially like uncrystallized ice, to a viscous liquid, and then almost immediately to another more viscous liquid with a lower density. So... Basically, um, water 
has two different forms a low density and a high density form and it's just really weird uh that it can exist in multiple forms um in the same state and phase so there you go water uh, water's real weird and it also keeps you alive so go drink some water i, I, I guess you wouldn't know just looking at it would you no i suppose it's it's fairly um unsuspecting overall what's your favorite form of water let us know in the comments below yeah please do <laughs> cool well that's that um yeah you got uh, one more story one more story from, from this half of the show nice so um here's here's the thing just to bring everyone up to speed um all things considered have you ever looked at like an insect wing and you're just like what's of all these lines why is it see see through that sort of thing yeah yeah and it, it's because they're dead they are dead yeah that sounds about right. Um, so they're alive. They're alive when they when they grow. I'm really butchering this, huh? Um, <laughs> they are alive when they grow, and um, so that's the veins are out there, and they they're growing this membrane in between them. And you can find videos of this, you know, sort of blood pumping through and doing the business, right? And then they die, and the trachea, well, not trachea, the the vessels close up, and that's how you get the little black lines in between the wings. That's how wings are made. That's how we are alive, made. and then they die. Yeah, and you're basically <laughs> left with like a little hard, hard, yeah, flat thing. <laughs> but scientists, or in particular, one scientist and and a friend, I think, um, <laughs> have discovered the first example of what may be a living wing in an insect. Okay, dun dun dun. That sounds cool. Yeah. So here we go. So this is a study led by Rainer Guillermo Ferreira, um, and he was looking into Xenophoptera dragonflies, uh, which are found in South America. I think there's five different varieties, and yeah. they basically have these really amazing, vibrant blue wings. Um, and as as I'm sure most people have heard, blue as a natural color is very, very rare. And so they're wondering what the deal is with these wings, because he looked at them under a microscope and it looked like they had working trachea in them, which are like air pathways. <laughs> and so the theory is that these living wings have abundant oxygen, and so they can create a living layer of light-manipulating compounds, in particular sandwich layers of pigments, and what were described as nanospheres, um, which are ultra-reflective of blue light. And that's why they have these beautiful blue wings. Oh wow! Well, nice going, yeah. dragonflies. Yeah, good job. Um, and it again, it's um, just this new information coming of that some insects might have living wings as well. Yeah, was this the is, first um, one, nifty. right? Yeah, yeah, the first example. Yeah, so that's sweet. pretty, pretty, pretty good. Hi everyone, official parrot call connoisseur Peter Birdstone here, here with the usual biz. As Zach mentioned earlier, we still have some codes to give away for uh, Replica, so if you'd like to get a code so you can talk to an AI on your phone and teach it some cool new tricks maybe, that'd be really cool. Get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore fatcast, you can Gmail, email us at <laughs> friendsandtheory at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Friends and Theory. And you can find us on SoundCloud as Friends and Theory. Um, if you are enjoying the show, 
please rate, comment, subscribe, leave a like, leave a review, all that jazz. Remember, you can find us in the iTunes store now and on RSS feeds, so you can download and listen to the podcast wherever and whenever you want through podcasting apps or iTunes directly. With that all out of the way, let's get on with it. Wow, what a, what a great transition to the break. We're back. Yeah, we we uh, we've. I mean, that I'm was used, a winner. It's kind of all over the place today. Uh, we've got lots of different stuff. This is a hodgepodge of of news. This is okay because all the listeners will go away and have all these cool science stories to tell everyone about. Yeah, and then they'll be like, "Where do you get all these cool science stories?" Do you know like, what makes you really podcast? cool? Apart from liking and subscribing to Friends and, and Theory. Sunglasses, frosted tips, backpack, car keys. And loving pandas. Uh, l- light up trainers. Uh, yeah. Loving that. pandas. <laughs> loving pandas feels good and is good for the environment. I'll Fantastic. Have you know. So, obviously, I, I guess. Finally, pandas aren't <laughs> just a waste of space. Everyone knows that, like, pandas are a big focus of, uh, of environmental protection things. You know, the, the World Wildlife fund or or foundation or whatever it is wwf um, has a panda as their thing and like i know some people are kind of like well you know i feel like there are more pressing pressing issues than the pandas but like everyone loves them because they're fluffy and stuff but loving pandas isn't so bad everyone because um protection efforts and so on in china and conservation efforts have had um unintentional side effects but not the bad type the good type. So these kind of what? <laughs> large-scale conservation efforts uh, are, for pandas specifically mean that pandas are 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 getting better. Basically, panda populations are are recovering in in places. But also, the habitat that is being protected, like as a sort of side effect of protecting these pandas, is full of very valuable and important plants and animals. So protecting these pandas... Other animals yeah. are available, of course. Yeah, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's boosting biodiversity in these areas and also f- sort of helping to to um, counter climate change by, by protecting these large areas of, of forest reserve, which are catching all of that nice carbon dioxide and soaking it all up and, and so on. Um, so there you go. Uh, it's rejuvenating protected forests and the focus is on pandas, but these unintended bonuses are affecting the surroundings. So well done, everyone, for loving pandas. Yeah, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but this idea of a lot of the focus of conservation being put into uh, sometimes flagship species that are known sometimes yeah so, absolutely um, absolutely big sort of focal points a lot of them tend to be big fluffy animals uh, yeah mammals that's going to catch the attention yeah no one um, wants to talk about help me save the giant spotted slug yeah you know like finding nemo is about the cute little brightly colored fish it's not about like the the penis worm uh that gets or lost or the nasty poop eating insect yeah, the, that everyone hates yeah exactly disney <laughs> disney made my film it's called the nasty poop eating insect that everyone hates um, yeah so uh i mean like b movie is one of the greatest films of our time obviously um 
Of course. But even then, like bees are kind of popular, even on the insect side of, side of things. I think. Yeah, because because they're pretty cute and they're colorful. fluffy. Um, yeah, and um, you know they get they also get all of the positive press from the negative press of wasps. Yeah, that's kind of a <laughs> a natural association there. Um, yeah. So, but you know, in this case, it turned out all right anyway. So yeah, actually, I never actually finished my point, did I? Um, so it, it's really actually heartwarming to know that the conservation efforts of helping the pandas is having a knock-on effect in other areas as well. Yeah, that's basically what makes this so so good. Yeah, and it also, I guess, it inspires other conservation efforts as well, just generally, because not everywhere has pandas anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Nice. And we're doing all right on the panda front, really. Cool and we're doing nice. All right. The panda situation is is proceeding nicely. Zach, when you look at two panda eyes, or just a panda and its eyes, what do you think of? Um, usually the first thing is the rest of the panda. That, that's <laughs> what I think of. You're um, thinking, wow, there's a panda here yeah, um, in North panda. Um Because I see two black holes okay and um that brings us smoothly into our next story which is um put simply um a pair of supermassive black holes have been found orbiting each other in a galaxy far far away oh man and uh this is first of its kind yeah and um so let let me let me get into it i mean that's pretty much the entire story i'll get into the detail (laughs) i mean it's pretty good yeah the national science foundation's very long baseline array um, which is the detection system, abbreviated to VLBA. Um, so astronomers have used this to detect a pair of circling supermassive black holes in a galaxy 750 million light years away. And if you thought the name we discussed earlier was really good, here comes a better one. Guess what this galaxy is called, Zach? Is it called the Sliced Bread Galaxy? Uh, it's called the Fidget Spinner Nebulae. <laughs> Uh, it's not. It's called um, 0402-379. Is that like a cryptic clue that will lead me to the national treasure or whatever? Um... I think if you turn it upside down on a calculator, it spells out a secret <laughs> message. <laughs> uh, I can't yeah. confirm. No, um, it, it's, it, you know, it's a categorical name. Um Petition to name it the Fidget Spinner Nebula, yeah. even though it's not a nebula. <laughs> um, so, can you guess how long it takes these suckers to orbit each other? Like, what's Ooh. a year for one of these black holes? I'm going to say, like, 2.1 million years. Wow, okay. That's um, a bit extreme. Um, it's uh, every 30,000 years, which is still okay. crazy. That's quite a lot, though, still, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I wouldn't have a single birthday. <laughs> in, in that scenario no no you, you you wouldn't i mean quite quite simply because you'd be dead from black holes but like, <laughs> i suppose yeah 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 if you forget about your bank holidays as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the living conditions of a black hole are not not great all around but we don't know we can't we can't say for sure um but i think it's safe probably safe to say no don't um if you're thinking about jumping into a black hole don't don't (laughs) wait please yeah um so (laughs) 
Um, also, so yeah, this does mean in um, you know a couple of millions of years they will probably merge, and this will send like a gravitational ripple throughout the entire universe, probably. Oh, maybe it, it will、saying. be measured by that thing we were talking about last time.、Uh, the Lisa, if it still exists in theoretically millions of years. Oh right, okay, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe at that point we'll have a better system. Like, maybe at that point we will have、it. like figured out how to make a good podcast or something. <laughs> Jeez, how could you?、Um, anyway, all right. That's enough of this I've got, story. I've got more space news.、Uh, maybe that we can just squeeze in, in here while we're doing space.、Yeah. Uh, this、Might、is about、well. a th- cool thing called solar spicules. Solar spicules.、Mm. They are、really、rolls off the tongue, huh? huh? Yeah.、Um, I think you find them next to the spring rolls、um, in Sainsbury's. <laughs> Other supermarkets are available. <laughs> Um, basically, they're jets of plasma that form in the solar chromosphere, which is the lower atmosphere of the sun.、Um, and they're these just explosions of of、uh, of 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 plasma. They shoot up into the atmosphere of the of the sun. They cause lots of heat and 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 stuff to move around.、Uh, and we sort of didn't really know how they how they were working.、Uh, and it is very complicated how they they form. So I'm not going to describe it at the The most detailed level, but the basic idea is that thousands of times per day, these things erupt、um, across the surface of the sun, and they do at a, an incredible speed, sometimes up to sixty miles per second. Wait,、um, hold on, hold on! I'm slamming the brakes on on the gene bus、yeah. tempor- temporarily. Yeah. So these are like the the like streams of fire that you see in like cool sci-fi shots of the sun. Um. No, yes, no, no, yes, I yes, don't、no. know if they're like solar flares or, or stuff like that, but like, yeah, I think no, so. You, you know, you know, like they look like um little columns sort of blasting around the sun. Yeah, I, I'm pretty、okay. sure that's what this is.、Um, so we're basically talking about the coolest thing ever. Yeah, like I mean, that it's just sun sun explosions、uh, all over the place.、Um, yeah. So they they go 60 miles per second, and they they can reach a length of 6,000 miles long before they collapse. Um, and they 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 they're basically so they, they there was some investigation into what was actually happening here and in the sun as you might imagine there is a constant convection and boiling of material and 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 matter and stuff constant heat sort of causing unstable magnetic fields and and all these fields get tangled up in weird ways.、Um, And indeed, sometimes the islands of magnetic fields get kind of carried into the lower atmosphere, the chromosphere.、Uh, and what happens is basically the magnetic fields snap back to their original positions and cause violent up upwellings and bursts of、uh, plasma and and material.、Um, there's there's a lot of complicated physics behind that process. Itself,、uh, but there's been some investigation on on that this week, and they kind of identified what was going on there. So these magnetic fields are are causing. They're basically snapping back and squeezing out these these explosions of of sun stuff. So if you want to know the detailed、uh, physics, because Jesus, I. I don't.、Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm good of just being told that there are giant columns、yeah. of plasma fire shooting up from the go, sun. Go, go and look up solar spicules, and you can read more about it. But、um, I thought it was cool enough. To, can you to do a quick spell for me? 
Because I cannot spell. I can do a spell. Yeah. Uh, Wingardium Levius. <laughs> no, could, 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 you, could you just um, spell out Celespicule, so, so Oh, right. What to I, search I, for. I literally didn't understand oh what God. you were talking about there. <laughs> Solar spicule, so solar uh, spicule is S P I C U L E S. Um, Can you cast a spell as well? You know any good spells? Uh, no, I failed wizard school, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fair enough. I actually turned down the Hogwarts invitation letter. Yeah, it was pretty obnoxious. Yeah, screw those guys. To be honest, yeah. focus on science, fellas. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um. What's the one thing you miss more than ever all the time? Um, you know, just generally. No, but it's not there anymore. The the, the feeling of any kind of uh, human contact. Um. Yeah, I mean that one's pretty bad. But <laughs> I I've been really upset ever since Boaty McBoatface uh, began its. Oh long yeah, he, I've been missing him. He's trip. been yeah, doing good work. Though. I was worried. He's back. He's back. <laughs> He's back, baby. <laughs> Oh man, he's been gone for a long time. He's been four thousand meters under underwater, and he's travelled for one thousand eight hundred kilometers. And he's he's been doing all kinds of research, and we don't know what it means yet because the data is being analysed. But he's back. He's, he's back, back in the safe UK. Safe and sound. You know, he's texted his mum to let him know that that he got home all right. He updated his Twitter. Yeah, I'm back, baby. Is what he said. Um, yeah. Great. And David David liked and retweeted it. So this was about um, <laughs> um Antarctic research and stuff, was it wasn't Yeah, it? the the bottom water and how it might be being affected by climate change. And as you can imagine, there is a ton. There is probably a ton of more than a ton of data if you like faxed it to someone. Yeah, there's a lot if you faxed it. <laughs> um yeah, I I think Boating McBoatface has an onboard fax machine, so that should be fine, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, like in a lot of government buildings, they still use like Windows XP. Uh, yeah, uh, it's kind, it's kind of like that. You call boating a boat face, you just get faxed um, some data. Yeah. No, um, it, it's a lot of data to be analysed. Um, and he's only been back for like two days, so he's probably on the lash, <laughs> um, celebrating. Well, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll be able to talk about the 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 data they process i don't know sometimes this stuff takes a long time could be a year or more but but we'll, we'll find out i hope that the data is promising or at least useful because i think a realistic prediction would be that we're gonna hear some bad news or neutral yeah news. um it's not gonna be like oh climate change is actually making the world a better place we just can't see it you know <laughs> that's that seems very unlikely well I have uh, some slightly positive news regarding the climate. Um, okay, if you want Hit me up. to hear it, yeah. Um, so some guys, uh, well, and and girls presumably, um, went went out. <laughs> some guys and dolls. They looked at some high resolution satellite imagery, and they looked at some real dry places, like dry, real dry, uh, drier than a yeah, pantry. Yeah, we're talking like ar- arid regions. Yeah, and uh, parched, parched zones. That spectrum, and they were like. Wow, there's about forty percent more trees here than we thought there were before. That's really relatable. Yeah, um, I mean that's the whole story. I'm that's that's it. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, but it is it's interesting, I guess, that we've they they looked at these parched zones and and discovered that, like I say, there there was 
about 40 to 47 percent more uh, tree-covered land than they thought there was, which I suppose is is good in terms of our predictions for climate because uh, obviously trees suck up all that that carbon dioxide and stuff. Um, uh, and I, I, I guess oh, it illustrates that would like we have to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, and suggest that just because we think it's better does not necessarily mean that it is. So it could just be a change in the biodiversity of ecosystem that could be overall a negative thing and might reflect a change in animal species or lower plant life that could be very valuable, you know? Um, So, I I mean, on, on, on face value... It looks very good and cool and interesting. Yeah, I, I, the, I, I think I feel like there's there's more to this story. I, I, I think the thing is that it's not that they were saying that new trees were growing; it's that they they were saying there was forested areas that we didn't know about. Um, okay, that's I think that's the idea here. It's not that there's new tree land um, growing in in dry areas, but actually, dry areas have more trees than we thought they did initially like i'm pretty sure that's the all right that that's the that's idea. pretty rad yeah okay um, yeah well there you go there's um there's your weekly dose of skepticism yeah uh, from me healthy skepticism just in case just in case <laughs> you never know yeah stuff at face value isn't always what it seems yes right uh speaking of chocolate's good for you oh wow <laughs> great uh let's finish the podcast because i'm gonna go stuff my face yeah, exactly. Um, hold on, though. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Zach, just wait, please. <laughs> Stop. Put it down. Oh, man. Put that dairy milk down. <laughs> Other chocolate is available. <laughs> Sponsored by Dairy Milk. Um, so this is a review of all kinds of studies done in um, done about cocoa and chocolate flavanols, yeah. which is a Flav- compound in, in cocoa. Right. Um, as... Uh, sort of effector for cognitive function. Okay. So it was published in Frontiers of Nutrition by some Italian researchers, and um, oh, Italian. basically it was a like the article I read was incredibly long-winded and not fun. <laughs> I mean, I read you an extract from it, didn't I? And it was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, pretty heavy. We, yeah, they really went overboard with the words. Um, <laughs> Just, you know, you know, like excess words that excess you didn't really words. need. Yeah. So what they found, in short, was that, in particular in old people, um, regular intake of flavanols from cocoa seemed to improve cognitive function and even protect cognitive function. Ah. Wow. Um, so they, they suggested that everyone should maybe eat some dark chocolate every day, just a little bit, because the regular side effects of chocolate still apply. Hmm. Such as um, obesity. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's just, that's yeah. swings and roundabouts. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough call to be honest. And also, like, I don't know if this makes me a real big babby or whatever, but I, I, I don't really like dark chocolate that much, honestly. Like a, a tiny little bit every now and then, I'm okay with. But that that stuff's it might bitter, be right. man. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be like that, but... Yeah, yeah well, it, it's naturally so... very bitter. <laughs> and so... Bitter and jaded. 
we have to, yeah, we have to throw in like two metric tons of sugar and milk and all sorts of things like that that aren't mm. necessarily the best for us. Yeah, oh, that's true. And so, so there's the real problem with chocolate because if you, if you like, even like eighty, like eighty-seven percent chocolate is really dark. That's that's um, really dark. Yeah, like I, I, I have like seventy percent occasionally. Yeah, but that's usually... but if, if you're dipping into like the one hundred percent, that's just not good eating. One hundred and fifty percent. Now you're just being silly. Yeah, it's just pure darkness. <laughs> um, you you cool, eat it and you just cool, become good incredibly news. bitter. So what's our what's our like list of advice from this episode then? Uh, you know we're all about that that good live healthy. You want a advice. distinctive call. A distinctive call. Um, so find a noise that other people don't make, and such then, as fire alarms. And just go to around. To help you find the one you love. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, North Devon has really bad internet. Yeah, we've learned that I, while I think recording. Is, um, so. Yeah, that, that's been really fun. Um, love pandas. Love yourself. Love chocolate. Love trees. Don't trust water. Don't trust that stuff. Yeah. Um, bury your eggs. Yeah, and don't judge reptiles based on their names. I guess don't ever express an opinion on anything. Yeah, and eat colorful rice. Okay, great. That I mean, that sounds pretty good to me, honestly. Before we close this all up. Um, yeah, I thought we. I would just quickly, very quickly, so quickly, but no one will even get any of the details. Talk about <laughs> perfect. Talk about two, two pieces I considered for this. All right, episode. So we got some time to um, fill, basically. Yeah, a, a, a little, little bit controversial, Ooh. a little bit interesting. Um, so first of all, um, some species of finches have been found using cigarette butts. In their nests, well, in particular the tobacco, right, to protect the nests from parasites, and it does have an effect on their young growing up, but it appears to be completely outweighed by the fact that the tobacco seems to be stopping a lot of parasites from getting to their babies. Okay, that's interesting. Um, it is one of those sort of modern adaptations thing, yeah. isn't it? It's not just like there are. Birds just smoking cigarettes. Just imagining like a bunch of birds, yeah, we're just with six smoking yeah, chain cigarettes smoking. on <laughs> It's stressful. You know, yeah. modern life gets the birds too. Um, and also, here was um, a really interesting one um, uh, in the sort of category of things I never considered. Um, there was a massive peer review of studies that used populations of mice right. and also populations that looked at sexual dimorphism in mice okay um just to quickly they, they sexual found... sexual dimorphism for those who maybe don't know is when an animal species or whatever has diff like it's it, male and females have different biological features essentially yeah 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 um well not just features but differences in like composition Morphology. And stuff like yeah, that. yeah they look differently yeah yeah. Um, so in mice, um, some very important areas of dimorphism included differences in bone density. And okay. the reason this is, becomes important is because they identified that um, a huge amount of these studies 
the results would be different. And these are like drug trial studies, so they go on to be used to people. If you accounted for the sexual dimorphism, um, oh, a bone right. density difference of like 8% right. could be could have like drastic consequences for people, and it's something that's never really been considered. So, yeah, before. they just don't consider if they're using male or female mice. Yeah, yeah, because... You look at a mice, you look at dude mice, you look at lady mice, you can't even tell the difference. That does kind of surprise me, though, because sexual dimorphism isn't exactly like a new thing <laughs> that we've just discovered. Yeah, yeah, um, so this is, um, this is um, I think, the strongest case of things I never considered. Yeah. Um, wow. Because it, it is interesting, though, because if you're testing a drug that has an effect on bone density and you don't, you don't look into what... Sex yeah. of mice you're using and how that might affect your results, then it could have you could be like eight percent off in people, mm. and no one no one wants bad bones. No, wow. Okay, you got to have good bones to ride the gene bus. Good, uh, you got to have good bones. You got to have good uh, nest. So we've got another piece of advice to add, I guess, which yeah, is that chain smoke, chain smoke. If you're good a bird. Bones. <laughs> good bones gotta go out and look after my eggs <laughs> <laughs> what was that um, well that was obviously I don't know a bird that's who just... frequents New York <laughs> and yeah. New Jersey that's, that's the sound a smoker bird makes I guess um, oh man okay. can you imagine if um, no. the blue the blue winged Amazon parrot started smoking <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It just sounds like Danny DeVito. <laughs> there you go. That's that's good listening for everyone to enjoy. Wow. Um, so thank you if you've listened to this episode. Yeah. And why? Yeah, and also why. <laughs> uh, like, um, to be honest. Um, I, I've been human dumpster fire Peter Batstone. Uh, I have been human fire extinguisher, maybe? <laughs> um, Zach Brew. No, leave um, my fire alone. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, this is the end, isn't it? We're, this is the end. This is the end. Um, yeah. The music that you've heard throughout, and we'll see us out, is the song And by Tally Hall from the album Good and Evil. Go check it out. I'm not going to get angry this week. No. Okay. I've changed Fair my enough. mind. Go listen to it. Go yeah, listen I mean, to the whole thing that and I was thinking. That, you know, we've been saying a lot recently that, that we are we keeping things casual and stuff, and like this is going to be a super casual episode. You know, when are we going to do a, a formal episode? You know? Like. <laughs> We are we just gonna let anyone into this podcast? Like Jesus. Yes, we got some standards. Yes, we are. So if you'd like to be on this podcast, <laughs> let us know. Um, yeah. I mean, but at, at least the moment, like, tuck your shirt is... in first, and yeah. Do you Jeez, want me to tuck my shirt? In? Shirt. I, I'm just off. wearing a t-shirt. It's an old t-shirt as well. Yeah. I won't wear this in public anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, Zach. Just the headline before we depart. Yeah. Yoga injuries much higher than thought okay um well that seems to be perfectly self-explanatory in <laughs> in every way uh also don't forget if you want a replica ai app conversation thing then go comment on any of our stuff please and we'll send you a code okay bye shut it sh- shut this down bye <laughs> She opens her lips and it goes like this